Good afternoon. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. Greg, we both, well, you always have busy weekends. <laughs> oh, but please. This particular weekend, I suspect, was a little bit more hectic. It was a little hectic. Three birthday parties and three evenings. Yeah, it was busy for <laughs> sure. <laughs> What? Okay, so these are birthday parties for the same people, your kids. Yeah, you know what? We just don't have enough space, as much room as we do have. We don't have enough room for, you know, to have the... Because they like to have their friends over. We don't have enough room to kind of combine the family and the friend's birthday. And and just with uh, cottages and stuff, we try to keep it as late in the weekend for our friends and family that have uh, late getaways. So we don't like to ask them to come home from the lake in the middle of the weekend, so we wait until Sunday, and then there are other people that have obligations on Sunday. So we ended up with three parties, long story short, and uh, <laughs> we had very special guests yesterday. The Mortlands came by, uh, Scott and Gregory came by for a couple hours yesterday afternoon to really introduce them to our family and to welcome them into our family. It's been quite an adventure for them and so honored to have been welcomed into their world as openly as I have been. And uh, what a great job the entire community has d- done welcoming them to Winnipeg. We'll talk about that maybe a little bit later on this afternoon. In the meantime, I believe you have a piece of audio that you would like to use to help us set up our next topic of discussion we are born you will be assimilated i am locutus of born resistance is futile i'm not a trek trek e whatever the terminology is Yep. This, uh, this means nothing to me <laughs> yourself i'm not a trekker either but i am familiar with the borg Resistance is futile. So who is the Borg before we continue? They're, uh, uh, oh, I'm probably the wrong guy to be. I'm going to do this off the top of my head, and if you are a Trekker, I, please know I am not uh, the expert on this. They're uh, an alien race that I believe is, they're, they're biomechanical, I believe. Okay. So they will take whatever knowledge you have and assimilate it. Uh-huh. Into their culture, into their being, for to help the the benefit. Basically, it's to help benefit their own species. Okay, so this is something. This is a pop cultural phenomenon. This is a saying, a phraseology that many people who watch Star Trek and have seen the movies over the years are familiar with. Safe to say. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so. We have lots of different sayings, lots of pop culture references that not everyone is going to be familiar with, right? It's going to tickle the funny bone of several and have basically a blank stare left on the faces of of maybe even a majority of people. Is that fair to say also? Oh, definitely, yeah. Well, it's like when I wear that, uh, like on Friday when I wear my Winnipeg Thunder hat. Uh, A small group of people are going to go, that's neat. And others are going to look at it and go... What what uh what, what is, is that? what is that? Right. Well, here's the story. Uh, Winnipeg man whose Star Trek themed license plate was revoked by MPI was prompted or has prompted a national nonprofit legal organization to try and take the crown insurer to court. Nicholas Troller's license plate read or reads A S I M I L and then the number eight. 
translates to assimilate, a reference to the Star Trek aliens called the Borg, but MPI later said the plate is offensive to indigenous people. The Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom says it believes the revocation violates Troller's charter rights. A hearing on the center's application before a Manitoba Court of Queen's bench judge is scheduled for August 16th. We are joined now by John Carpe, who is president of the Justice Center of Constitutional Freedoms. He joins us live on 680 CJOB. John, where are we speaking to you from? Well, I'm, uh, we're, we're based in uh, Calgary, Alberta. Right now I'm on holidays. I happen to be in Vernon, B.C., but very happy to, uh, to be able to chat with you by phone. So normally I'd be staying Calgary. <laughs> well, I hope you're enjoying the heat in uh, Vernon and uh, you're staying safe and uh, that the wildfire situation is calming down. But why has uh, your organization decided to take up this cause, John? Well, we see freedom of expression getting attacked in Canada more and more. Uh, we see it on, uh, particularly at universities where uh, students uh, feel that, that they're entitled to go through life without seeing or hearing anything that they disagree with. And the universities coddle those students and pander to them. And there's a growing sense amongst some Canadians that uh, we have a right to silence anything that we might find offensive. And that's very dangerous for a free society because if you have a right not to be offended, I don't have free speech rights uh, and vice versa. If, if, I, um, if I have a right not to be offended, then you don't have free speech rights. So, you know, we understand that the word assimilate uh, can have a negative connotation as in like for the um, Aboriginal residential schools and, and the bad things that happened there in the past. Uh, but this is clearly a Star Trek license plate. And it says, we are the Borg, assimilate, uh, resistance is futile. It's clearly Star Trek. Now, it'd be one thing if, if MPI was, was censoring a, a four-letter profanity that is inherently offensive, no matter what the context. But the word assimilate, uh, we assimilate nutrients into our body in order to stay alive, a student assimilates information in a classroom. A corporation can assimilate uh, respectful workplace practices into its culture. And so we've got you know, positive and negative uses of the word assimilate. And to, to tell a Star Trek fan that, that he can't use the word assimilate when it's clearly a Star Trek reference, that's a violation of his free expression rights. And that's why we're taking MPI to court. So what you're saying here, John, if I can simplify it, and you so eloquently stated why you think this is important and why you're standing up for this, but context is critical from time to time. Oh, absolutely. Well, especially for words, uh, you know, that that are not swear words, right? If if MPI wanted to to ban, you know, F-U-C-K or some other four-letter word, uh, we wouldn't be taking this to court because that word is is always offensive. doesn't matter what the context is. And, and there are, there's lots of words, none of them can be repeated, that, that are just inherently offensive. But a word like assimilate, it would be like the word war. You know, war is generally seen as negative because it inflicts a lot of suffering. But if you're talking about um, a war against childhood poverty or maybe a war on drugs, 
then um, you know the, the word war could be positive. It's neither positive nor negative. The fact that the word war has negative connotations or the word assimilate has negative connotations uh, shouldn't entitle anybody on the basis of feeling offended to restrict the use of that word. John Carpe is our guest. He is president of Justice Center of Constitutional Freedoms. The Justice Center is says it believes the revocation of a license plate violates a man's charter rights in Manitoba, and they are taking MPI to court over this. Again, the Winnipeg man had a Star Trek-themed license plate revoked by Manitoba Public Insurance, and it uh, says assimilate, and that it's in a frame, that uh, sort of a novelty frame that says we are the Borg, the license plate. It says assimilate, and then underneath it says uh, resistance is futile. Do you know, John, how Manitoba Public Insurance came to the decision to revoke the plate? Like what prompted their decision? Oh, yeah, it was quite simple. Uh, MPI heard that some people were offended by it. And rather than explaining to the offended parties that the fact that you feel offended is not uh, doesn't allow you to strip somebody else of their free expression rights, rather than just explaining that, that this is a free country, uh, they've just pandered to the people who claim to be offensive. And it's it's exactly the same thing that the uh, Nova Scotia Registrar of Motor Vehicles has done against uh, Mr. Lorne Grabber. Uh, somebody who was offended by his last name, uh, spelled uh, G-R-E-B. H-E-R, so grabber, but if you split it up, uh, if you use your imagination, it could mean grab her. But it's a, it's a very common German-Austrian name. Uh, he had, his family had uh, his father and then his son and now himself. They've been using that plate for 20 years. And because one person uh, claimed to feel offended, the uh, Nova Scotia Registrar of, of Motor Vehicles just pulled the plate because one person was offended. Well, if we allow that to go on, we're we're just losing our freedoms bit by bit by bit, uh, because you cannot have a, a free country. You cannot have freedom of expression if uh, somebody can uh, censor somebody else's speech just because they they find it offensive. Well, I could see that this is could be the uh, provocation for all of us just to change our names to numbers because uh, everybody's names. Uh, can be rhymed with something that's derogatory. We can change it to something that, oh, might offend someone. And I know that parents go through the list of names that they'd like, and they go, okay, how do we rhyme this? How are the kids going to make fun of them at school? And I challenge you to find one name that you can't offend or bug your kid about, right, and and turn it into something that is you know, can be uh, a little bit of a f- offensive and isn't necessarily polite, but you can do it with just about any name. There are initials that certainly uh, are a connotation or or uh, are, the word I'm looking for is apply to something else. One of my sons, his initial is BM. His initials are BM. Well, you know what? At some point, somebody's going to bug him about that, right? So uh, what do we do here? Like... It's stand getting a little much, isn't it? I, I think I think we just need to stand up to this kind of uh, political correctness. Uh, MPI is just uh, pandering to political correctness, and they're trampling charter rights in the process, and they they have to be held to account. So, Mr. Troller is not seeking any monetary damages for hurt feelings or anything like that, but we're seeking a court order that uh, MPI's decision 
be uh, set aside and that Mr. Troller's Star Trek license plate be reinstated. And that's the way you got you to gotta stand up against political correctness whenever you get the chance to do so, because otherwise it grows like a cancer. If you, uh, if you just give into it, it becomes more and more powerful. At what point, though, do we, because I, I, there, there are sometimes there is room to, to have a balance or, or to make a compromise. And, uh, you know, at, at what point do we say, OK, you know what, if this is, if this offends enough people or if it is you, like you made reference to the stuff that is would be blatantly offensive. We know that we wouldn't put uh, a, a legit swear word on a license plate. But if there is something that's kind of questionable, um, I'm trying to think of an example. We had one on text message here. Uh, Gary wants to know how uh, John feels about sports team names, uh, one in particular, Washington Redskins. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't I haven't thought uh, I I haven't thought that one through about uh, about sports teams. And I know there's been some uh, some controversy, um, you know, even in in Edmonton, Alberta, some people object to the uh, the Edmonton Eskimos, the football team uh, using the name Eskimo because it's not a word that is uh, that is used more often. Uh, Sports teams are. they are private actors and private players, uh, at least for the most part. Although, you know, sometimes you've got some taxpayer subsidies going uh, indirectly to arenas. But I think here we're looking at, uh, at well, when it comes to license plates, uh, MPI itself on its website says that a personalized license plate is a great way for Manitobans to be able to express themselves to talk about you know their their hobbies their interests their sports their philosophy it's actually encouraged by MPI that sure. if you want a personalized plate it's available so in terms of balance uh, you know if we were taking a radical absolutist approach we could say well you know even uh, swear words or even uh, derogatory racial slurs uh, you know that would be kind of a, an absolutist position I think it's a fair balance and a good compromise to say, that uh, MPI should disallow vulgarities and profanities that are rude and offensive, regardless of context. I think that's a good uh, compromise. But for a word like uh, assimilate or war, uh, that, you know, it's not necessarily a negative word in and of itself. And uh, that should be allowed, even if it causes offense to some people. John Carpe, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate the time, especially on your, your holidays in British Columbia. Really glad to, uh, to be with you for a few minutes and, uh, and have, have a great day for uh, what's left of it. Okay. Thank you so much, John Carpe, President of Justice Centre of Constitutional Freedoms. Once again, going to court with MPI. They uh, over this license plate. A Winnipeg man had a Star Trek-themed license plate revoked by Manitoba Public Insurance, and this national non-profit legal organization is going to try to take the Crown Insurer to court. So we want to know what you think about all this. 204-780-6868. Nicholas Troller had a, had a license plate that read Assimilate, a reference to the Borg in Star Trek. MPI said a few people thought it was offensive. Uh, it's offensive to Indigenous people, so they made him, they revoked his license plate. 204-780-6868. Your thoughts on text, on the phone. Would love to hear your voice. Email gmac 
at cjob.com or brett at cjob.com. Your forecast is coming up next. So we're getting some interesting uh, text messages to be sure, including uh, one individual says, I had my personalized plate revoked and fought it and won from the lizard. Lizard. They told him that lizard was, MPI was concerned that it pertained to a certain male part of the anatomy. Are you kidding me? Wow, that is weak. Weak. We're talking about a Winnipeg man whose Star Trek-themed license plate was revoked by Manitoba Public Insurance, which has prompted a national non-profit legal organization to try to take MPI to court. Nicholas Troller's license read ASIMIL8, the number 8, or Assimilate, which is a reference to the Star Trek aliens called the Borg. But MPI later said the plate is offensive to Indigenous people. A hearing, by the way, is uh, scheduled for August 16th. There's no ambiguity about what this guy was trying to say. Yeah. Because he's got the customized plate holder frame right around it. We are the Borg. Then the license plate that MPI issued once already, and now they've... They've uh, recalled it. Resistance is futile. I, I don't know. These things. These things drive me nuts. We got a. <laughs> this is. Uh, I like this little. It's a funny text from Ryan. He sent a picture of the. I'm assuming this is the Borg spacecraft. It's just a giant cube. I remember that from the first con. Uh, first contact. Star Trek. First contact film trailer. I've never actually seen the movie, but it says. Instead of, uh, it's a Canadian spin. We are the Canadian Borg. Resistance would be impolite. Please wait to be assimilated. Or, pour la simulation française, veuillez appuyer sur le deux. <laughs> please, uh... uh. Please uh, put on your seatbelts. Uh, Bill uh, has been waiting patiently. Bill, you get uh, the final word on this one, at least for now. Okay, I just got a question. You know when you get a personalized plate, right? Yes. Uh, you have to pay extra for it. Did they refund him his money? Hey, outstanding question. Very I, good question. I believe that uh, there was, uh, I seem to remember reading that they would uh, either, they gave him the option to choose another vanity plate. Yeah, here it is. They said they asked him to surrender it and at no charge apply to replace the personalized slogan or get a full refund. Oh, okay. Well, uh, no, that's nice of them. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> sort of, yeah. It's a little, uh, you know, yeah, it's very wall, clear. Okay. Yeah, it's very clear what the intention is here. I understand there are some mm. people that try to sneak stuff through the system, right? Because they think yeah. they're being clever and, they're, and that their underlying statement is not being uh, observed by anybody. But this is clearly not the case, at least in, in, in from where I'm sitting. Thanks a lot for that, Bill. Okay, no problem. Thanks. Bob sent me an email as well before we go here, Brett. Hi, Greg. My wife and I applied for a vanity plate and were denied by MPI because they thought creepin, C-R-E-E-P-I-N, was offensive. We wanted it on our Jeep Wrangler, and Eric Church is our favorite country star, and he has a hit song entitled Creepin'. We have no history of being stalkers or sexual predators. News is next. 135 on this Monday afternoon. I feel like I took the first half hour of the show off. So thanks for sticking around. <laughs> we appreciate it. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you. It, it, you know, sometimes Mondays have a way of sneaking up on you. This did not sneak up on me. But I can I can admit, you know, we all have those days where we wish we had a day off. Yep. I, I, today is one of those days for me. <laughs> it's been a long couple of weeks, and I, I'm I'm looking forward to holidays. But uh, I got to wait even uh, I think two more weeks. Still, you're off next week. I am. 
I am off next week for my third uh, my third leg of my of summer holidays 2017. I'm so envious of you. Yeah, well, uh, uh, we're the, well. The annual it's the 19th annual Laker Classic. Nineteen years. It's a golf it's a golf tournament steeped in rich history. I think it's fantastic that you make an, a commitment to do this with your friends every year, and obviously they keep the commitment as well. Uh, and you must have buddies in your group that have uh, families and 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 kids. And, and wives and or girlfriends that are uh, not necessarily happy about the fact that it's the annual Laker Classic, but uh, they come anyway. Yeah, it's been, uh, it has, be- scheduling has become a bit more difficult over the years now that it, most of the guys have families. Um, but we, we make it work, and this year we're heading out to a place called Oak Island. It's near Verdon, it's right off Oak Lake. So that's about three hours sort of west of the city. We're actually going to talk to Oak Island on Friday, this Friday. I never, ever, never, ever heard of it before. Yeah. So one of the, probably one of the top five golf courses I have ever been to. Uh, it's just a great place. It's a neat, nice little resort. It's a nice area. And it's not that far. It's not prohibitively far or anything. So if you're looking for a different way to spend a weekend, we'll tell you about that on if, Friday. If you've ever had MPI ask you to uh, turn in or turn down an application for a vanity plate, we'd be interested in hearing from you. GMAC at CGOB.com or Brett at CGOB.com. And we've also been getting uh, lots of text messages at 780-6868. Uh, share your stories with us. Uh, try and keep it polite. You know, it does not take very long on any social media or here at the radio station for us to get text messages that have a racial undertone. Uh, you know, can we can we not get past a lot of that stuff. Uh, we're trying to have a reasonable conversation about that. It doesn't have to degenerate every single time. You know who you are. People who are texting in things that just have nothing that uh, pertain to the conversation, but they, they see it as an opportunity to take a jab at uh, other cultures, and I, I just don't understand. that. That's how come we cannot have reasonable discussions about things, I think, Brett, is because we get off on these tangents and get either worked up in things that don't need to be worked Worked up about, or it degenerates into uh, name calling and talking about things that have nothing to do with the issue. Sometimes conversation can be very combative, and it can be it can go to these sort of dark places quickly. And then what what ends up happening there is that this kind of sort of anger, you could even call it hatred, then makes the other person involved in the conversation angry. Mm-hmm. And then emotions get involved, and then it's no longer a conversation, a civilized discussion. It's just two people who are mad at each other and accomplishing nothing. This was one uh, thought. MPI should just stop issuing personalized plates, and then no problems ever. Yeah, I think that's tongue-in-cheek. At least I hope it is. Because if we have to get to that point, as I mentioned to our guest, uh, is, like, what's next? Do we just go by numbers instead of names? Because uh, my name might mean something to one person. Maybe there's somebody out there who had a horrible relationship experience with a Greg or a Gregory, and it, it, it just causes nothing but angst when I hear the word Greg or the name Greg on the radio that I must change my name. You know, that's really what we're talking about here. It's almost that ridiculous, the case that we were talking about in the first half hour. I understand that there is terminology that's offensive to some people, uh, but like, let's uh, keep the gray areas gray and allow for some context and discussion versus hard and fast. Just because, you know, a couple people complain and all of a sudden we got to change it all. Mm, no. Uh, we just got a text here as well from somebody who says, you guys set the tone, though. 
I don't remember setting any sort of tone that invited anger and animosity towards mm. a particular race. Yeah. So I would disagree with that. Uh, you we're, we're, we're just because we're we're presenting a conversation, a topic about a man whose license plate was revoked because some people were offended, and that's not an attack on on any particular race. And it doesn't matter really if it was a race or who it was. The point is. Uh, one or two people came forward and said they were offended, so Manitoba Public Insurance saw fit to tell this guy to remove his plate. Because that's all it takes, right? You get one or two people who complain, and then suddenly the sky is falling, and well, we and have this, to kowtow to their needs. It could have been 300 people. It doesn't matter. In the context that we're talking about here, it's clear what this individual was trying to express. He wasn't trying to offend anyone. And sometimes it's left to your imagination, and it's just kind of hanging out there. There is no question about what this gentleman was trying to do and express. It was clearly tied to the Star Trek explanation and the Star Trek script, the Star Trek movie. There's no ambiguity in any way, shape, or form. We got a text here at 204-780-6868. I agree... With that speaker, we need to keep our freedom of expression. I am upset about two things, not... Hang on a second. (laughs) I think I've just waited. They say I agree, but then they went into something else. Ah, I'll just read it anyway. I witnessed two bicyclists riding side by side last week. Not good. Took over the whole lane. Did not move over. Also, bikers riding with no helmets because of their religious freedoms. Wow, really? I have to wear a helmet. I'm in Manitoba. So should they. What do you think? Okay, that's interesting. I didn't know that was a thing, first of all. But I would agree the the, the, the cyclists riding side by side. That's, uh, I would just say that I don't know what the rights are on that. So, But I, I will say I was that happened to me just last week, and I found myself slightly annoyed. <laughs> well, you're supposed to, to ride single file, okay. as far as I know. was always brought up that way. And it's only kids that have to wear a helmet on a bicycle. Okay. It's not adults. It's just kids. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. I didn't know. So thank you. uh, Though we still appreciate the text. And they did say, I'm upset about something not related to the topic. And Dave has said, there are people who will spoil it for everyone else. A person in the city a few years ago had his plate seized. It was just a combination of letters and numbers. But when you read it in your rear view... So you had to be looking at it in a mirror. Like they do with the it. ambulance, right? Yeah. So you see it in the rear view mirror reversed, right? <laughs> it says, you eat me. <laughs> what? What is this? <laughs> Anthony Scarmucci out as White House Communications Director. Is this, is this for real? Didn't he just get hired? Yeah. Like <laughs> five days ago? This is why you keep this on this station, eh? We look up, you never know what you're going to see. Wow. <laughs> Talk about breaking news live on 680 CJB. Maybe this happened in the last little bit. I haven't seen anything come across the news wire. I only see it on the American uh, news channel here. 
Uh, we're getting a text as well at 204-780-6868. Just want to quickly uh, identify this before we move on. Can you explain what is offensive about the word assimilate? And uh, we, our guest earlier, John Carpe, president of the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, he briefly explained it. He said that's, that, you know, there, there certainly he understands why some people might have a problem with the terminology as it pertains to residential schools where they essentially were trying to force assimilate people into a certain culture. So I think that's where it comes from. It's the, the history that could be attached to the phrase or phrasing. So well, and there could that be, answers your question. And there could be connotations for new Canadians as well, right? Yeah, it could be whether it's refugees or immigrants or what or what have you. And somebody pointed out, does it matter what race it was? Probably not. We're just in this particular context from what we understand. It was... Uh, indigenous who were offended by it. It is 144 on 680 CJOB. We're getting a lot of text messages at 204-780-6868. Feel free to keep them coming in. In the meantime, your forecast is up next. So I've double, triple checked Twitter and uh, all the sources uh, that you would want to be reporting. The story are reporting that Anthony Scarmucci is out as White House Communications Director. Uh, uh, Ten days, I think, he lasted. Well, good for you. Way to go, Mooch. It's a good run. Yeah, you had a great run. We barely knew you. So, do you want to move on to the Bartman stuff? Uh, you know what? Let's do this real quick. Because um, you had a great customer service story that I wanted to tie this into. But um, for sports fans, and if you're not a sports fan, I apologize. But all sports fans will know the name Steve Bartman. He was uh, the Chicago Cubs fan who got in the way of things during the National League Championship Series 14 years ago at Wrigley Field. There's been a documentary made about him, and this tells you a a little bit about Steve Bartman. What are the chances of catching a ball at the ballpark? Out of 40,000 seats, what are the odds that a ball will seek you out? My ball to left, toward the line, a loo over. Imagining that possibility is part of the magic of baseball. But for one fan, the dream of making that catch turned into a nightmare he could never have imagined. And leaping up, Alou cannot make the play. And Moises is unhappy with the fans, but Moises went into the seats. He could have had that ball. A fan interfered with him. A loyal fan, a young man named Steve Bartman, who wanted to catch a ball, caught something else instead. And according to the title of the documentary uh, about the incident and subsequent days and years for Steve Bartman, it's called Catching Hell. You can catch it on, uh, you can get it online. It's an ESPN 30 for 30 special. Outstanding stuff. Steve Bartman is receiving an official Chicago Cubs 2016 World Series championship ring as a special gift from the Ricketts family and the Chicago Cubs organization. One of the team's most infamous fans, Bartman is remembered for tipping a foul ball that left fielder Moises Alou unsuccessfully uh, dove for in the stands during Game 6 of the 20, uh, 2003 National League Championship Series. 14 years later, 
Cubs owner Tom Ricketts thought it was high time to extend an olive branch uh, to Bartman. Here's a short portion of Bartman's uh, statement. Although I do not consider myself worthy of such an honor, I'm deeply moved and sincerely grateful to receive an official Chicago Cubs 2016 World Series championship ring. I'm fully aware of the historical significance and appreciate the symbolism the ring represents on multiple levels. My family and I will cherish it for generations and uh, like I said, that's just part of uh, the statement from uh, fan Steve Bartman. Uh, the Cubs have reached out to him in the past, asked him to come and throw out the first pitch. Uh, but I think Bartman just wants to just move on with his life. And this may be, represent the actual closure he's been looking for. Hopefully fans uh, have forgiven him now that the team has finally won a championship. Sports fans are, you know, that's, that's, that's tough. That's a hard thing. For, I, I've always wondered... What, like, what, you know, you're at a baseball game and you bring a glove, you hope that a ball comes your way. 100% you do. He was probably looking up at the ball, not realizing that here's, here comes Moises Alou. He was just trying to be a fan. He was one of a handful of people who had their hands up. But because of his appearance, the fact that he had a Cubs hat, he had Walkman headphones on. He was, you know, he looked kind of like a villain. So he was vilified. And so they kind of picked him out of the crowd. And the story of what they had to do to get him out of the stadium safely after that game as part of uh, that documentary is fascinating stuff. So how do you want to tie that then? To my story. What's well, the segue? Well, the segue is here's an organization, here's a business trying to make things right with a customer who was unreasonably treated. And here we are 14 years later. Maybe the answer is it's never too late to try and make things right with a customer. Fair enough. I had a, 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 an experience on Saturday with a company that I spoke about. On this radio station a few months ago. I, now, did I, you speak about them or did you allude to them I and alluded. everybody figured out who I, it was? I never identified the company. And I might not do that right now either because it will be fairly obvious. It's a large retailer. It's a large Canadian retailer in which I bought tires from. They have, There's a large shop on St. On James where they do a lot of automotive work. Are they nationalistic? They're a national <laughs> sto- store, yeah. So... I went there a few months ago to buy tires. I went in, I paid for the tires, and uh, dropped off my keys, and and uh, I left. I had a bag on my shoulder because it was in my car, and I just walked into the store, dropped off my keys, and I hadn't paid for them yet. Dropped off my keys, went to exit. I was in the store for like 30 seconds, and they, they wanted to check my bag, and because, I refused. Because you cannot exit through the door that... You, in which or through which you came into the store. That's right. You're actually forced to go through the store to exit the That's store right. from the automotive department. So I was annoyed because the only reason I had to go through the store is they wouldn't let me go out that exit. So then they wanted to check my bag. I didn't. I, I wouldn't let them. I. But I. I. I still. The whole thing still kind of irks me. But I have come around to the sense that I am not. I didn't handle it. Well, and I still feel, I always felt bad about the way that I handled it with the young guy who was working there. And, uh, but I still go back there if I need to shop there. And I went there on Saturday looking for a flotation device. I needed a tube for the, 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 the golf tournament. I needed a tube so we could go sit on the lake. So 
I went looking for a tube that was on their website for $16.99, and it said they had 12 in stock, and it even tells you which aisle in the store. Outstanding app. Outstanding app. Yeah, it's great. It's wonderful. So I walk in, and I'm looking all up and down this aisle, like, where is this stupid tube? And I finally find the price tag, the $16.99 price tag, underneath a blank spot on the shelf. So I grab an employee and say, hey, do you... Does this mean that you just sold all of them out in the last hour, or are they hiding in the back somewhere? And he said, uh, I think we ha- those just came in, and they're, they are in the back. Stand by. We'll go look for them. So uh, five minutes goes by, ten minutes go by, and uh, I think it finally 20 minutes later, I said, I just grabbed someone else and said, can you check with, I think his name was Aaron. He went to the back to look for this. Can you check that he is, in fact, still doing this? Were you fearing for his safety at this point? No, I just figured he couldn't find it and moved on. <laughs> or maybe that, maybe he was buried underneath a box of tubes. I don't know. But uh, so it turns out he was looking for it. His manager ended up getting involved. And then this employee, who I just grabbed at random, stayed with me until they came out another 10 minutes later because they said, look, like this guy's got to go. He's been standing here for half an hour waiting for this tube. Uh, but they they had to go through a truck. And I don't know. It was a huge mess. But they were all so helpful in trying to get me a $17 product. It's not like I was buying $1,000 worth of merchandise. 17 bucks. So I applaud, I applaud the unnamed store across the street with the Maple Leaf <laughs> in their logo that sells tires. <laughs> well done, you guys. Yeah. Uh, maybe customer service isn't dead after all. Yeah, I was really happy. And now I have my flotation device. So it's going to be quite the sight with all of us and our golf tans. It's just going to be like tanned arms and like ghostly white Torsos. You skipped the best part that you found another tube that you thought might be actually a little bit better for just a little bit more money. Well, there were a whole bunch of tubes, yeah. There were a whole bunch of tubes that were oh, better. Actually, I think I'd like this one instead. Can you imagine if they came out with all the box of tubes and said, no, you know what? I'm going to get this one. Thanks, though, guys. 157 on 680 CJOB. After Global News at 2 o'clock, we want to introduce you to somebody I met at a wedding on Tuesday, on Saturday. I emceed a wedding and... I'm suspicious about this entire setup here, by no, the way. No, it's it just she she's from Germany and Bulgaria and she wants to move to Canada. And I just thought, you're really interesting. Let's get you on the radio so you can tell your story. We'll tell that story next. So... Greg, as you know, I spent a lot of time at golf courses on the weekend. Yesterday, I played two rounds at Kingswood. You're a machine. You're a maniac. I'm a crazy person, I think. But uh, Saturday, I spent some time at the Rossmere Country Club. It was the first time there, by the way. I have no idea. Yeah, it looked like a really nice golf course. Mm -hmm. I was there for a different occasion. Uh, As uh, we've mentioned before on this radio station, our old buddy Mike Grovner, former producer for Hal Anderson on 680 CJOB, was uh, he... Got married on Saturday you, to Allie. Go, keep going. He got married to Allie Young, now Allie Grovner. I was going to say you forgot a very important word, a producer extraordinaire. Because oh. <laughs> Michael, I had the good fortune to work with Mike uh, on uh, different shows over the years, and he was as good as they were in terms of uh, being a technical and even a content producer. He's one of my favorite people uh, that I've ever met working in this building. He's a really good guy. Allie's a a lucky lady. Yeah, and uh, he's a lucky guy to have her as well. And as I was welcoming our out-of-town guests, I was the MC. I had the, the privilege of MCing the 
the wedding on Saturday, and I was welcoming the out-of-town guests, and we had some people in from Olathe, Kansas, had some people in from Trinidad, California. Wow, cool. And then I got to one part where, and it turns out she was sitting at my table, but I didn't pick that up because I was you know, mostly busy for a while. But uh, it, it said on the sheet, from Larna, Bulgaria. So... Afterward, we started talking a little bit about the experience, and I just, of course, I now, like, I've gotten to a point now where I can't just have a conversation. It always ends up getting funneled through these, is this something that would be good on our radio show? (laughs) So this young woman who was speaking so passionately about wanting to move to Canada, I thought, we just got to get you in and tell your story. Love it. Canada 150. Why not? Let's get patriotic with Anita Popova. She is our guest. Joining us now live on 680 CJOB. Anita, thanks for coming in. So the sheet said Larna, Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. You're not from Bulgaria. Um, well, I grew up in Germany, in Hamburg, Germany. <clears throat> and uh, I moved to Bulgaria two years ago in order to attend university. Um, so, yeah, as I said, I grew up in Hamburg, Germany, and I first came to Canada when I was 15. So that was six years ago. And um, so I came here and attended high school for just one year. And that is when I fell in love with this country. Um, so I got to know Canadian people, Canadian culture, and um, yeah, totally enjoy it. And after I went back to Germany, I finished high school. And um, then I moved to Bulgaria in order, as I said, to um, attend med school. And so now I came back for the special occasion to, uh, yeah, join the wedding <laughs> where we met. And, um, yeah, so. When you were here for that year, you say that you came to Canada for a year at age 15. Did you, who did you stay with? So I stayed with the host family. Um, my first, because in the beginning I was only um, expecting to stay for one semester, which means for six months. But as I said, I fell in love with this country, so I decided to stay longer to extend my stay. Um, so it happened that for my second semester, um, I had to yeah, find myself another host family because the first one wouldn't be able to accommodate me for longer. So that is when I met my amazing host family that I still consider also like my real family. And um, so I moved in with them. And so... We are still staying in touch whenever I'm back home or <laughs> somewhere else abroad. And so when I came back another year later in 2013 to visit them again, of course, I stayed with them again. And um, so, yeah. And another four years later, I came again and stayed with them, too. And um, I'm really glad that they are always so welcoming and host me. These relationships are very long-standing. I have a, I have a sister in France who is from Finland, and I call her my rotary sister because she did a rotary exchange out to Minnedosa uh, some years ago. I guess it's almost 11 years ago now. And she lived with my dad and my stepmom for a couple months. And, of course, that's a small town, about 2,500 people. So even though she she started live, you know, she lived with three different families, it was always easy to keep in touch with her. And her parents came over, were actually at one of my birthday parties years ago. And so we've always kept in touch. What organization allowed you, what program allowed you to come to Canada, Anita? Um, so in Germany, it is quite a common thing that... Um, Students in high school get the chance to 
uh, go abroad for one high school year. So there's different organizations that send students to either America, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. So um, since it was a common thing, and um, my organization, I think, was called GIF. That's a German one. So um, I applied there, and yeah, so they... I applied there and was asking if it would be possible to, yeah, let me go here. And um, so they have a partnership with a Canadian organization and they did the whole cooperation and they um, figured out the problems that I was going to stay and the high school and the host family. So, um, yeah, thanks to that organization, I was able to even come here and, yeah, why Canada in the first place? What made you think that Canada would be a great place? You must have had, you just listed off several other countries. You could have gone there or was the country chosen for you? Um, well, I mean, I have to be honest, it's always also kind of a question um, about how how to afford it because, I mean, it's not really um, cheap to like send your kid abroad and uh, let it live somewhere. So... Um, for example, Australia and New Zealand would have been out of the question because it would have just been too expensive. And uh, so I had to decide between America and Canada. And um, so I'm just a big fan of nature and pure wilderness. And um, so according to my research and just to other experiences that I've read online and friends that I've talked to, I just decided that maybe Canada would suit me better, me, who I am as a person, and uh, what I'm expecting to experience. So that is why I chose Canada, and I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't have been any luckier to come here, and yeah, so that was the, the right choice for sure. One of the reasons why I wanted to, to bring you in to talk about it is it was just interesting to hear somebody from Europe express such passion and desire to move here, because for, for a lot of Canadians... It's the reverse, you know, Europe is romanticized and we, we people have these dreams of, of going to live overseas in Europe and, you know, you come from Germany and Bulgaria and uh, we've seen, you know, we were, uh, we see that you've been to, to Copenhagen, you've been all over the place. So to, like, I, I just, I kind of think, well, it's just, you know, it's Canada's my home and it's not really, it's cool, but uh, you were speaking with, with so much desire to, to come here. So this, what has to happen? for you to be able to move here? What do you have to do? Or have you begun the process yet? <laughs> of moving here? Um, <clears throat> to me, it's the most important for me right now is to, to finish my education and to know where to stand in life. So, I mean, I'm done two years of med school already. I have four more years to go. So um, I will. there's no way to move here before, interrupt my studies before I'm not done. So... I mean, it's not like that I'm planning on moving here tomorrow. Mm. <laughs> so um, it won't be in another five, six years. I know that on a long term, uh, when I want to settle down and and also as Ellie and Mike maybe want to get married and have children, I will go back to, to Hamburg, Germany, because that's where I grew up and that's, um, yeah, my hometown. But before that, I want to I wanna travel around. I want to discover and experience different places and um, so to me it's the most important place and the place where I've been where I've never been happier and and just felt more welcoming than ever is Canada so I'm pretty sure that I will move here and just like settle down here for a bit after I'm done my studies after I became a doctor so 
Um, but that's for sure going to happen. That is what I want. And um, I have learned that if you want something in life, then you just need to reach out and grab it. And so I know that this is going to happen, but not not any day soon. So not tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, but for sure after I'm in my late 20s. Because I'm 21 right now, and so there is still a bit of time. Well, you've got lots of work to do. Uh, and wow, uh, becoming a doctor, obviously uh, a gigantic uh journey in life and and lots of lots of schooling ahead of you we would be honored to to have you come back to canada and, and practice medicine here but what is it about canada you mentioned the wilderness and and your research prior to coming here so we know why you wanted to come but what is it that you fell in love with the most well i fell in love the most with with my with my host family that is the number one reason because um these people have been so good to me. They have just been the best. They have been so welcoming and and warm and just showing so much love and and, and happiness. And um, so I've always this is the bride's family. This right? is the bride's family. This is family. Young uh, young Tom. They are just the best people, and uh, I consider them my family too. So they are one of the main reasons why I felt well. I felt that I belong somewhere. And um, besides that, it's just the people here. People are polite. People show respect. And um, Do they not show respect back in Europe? Well, I mean, it always depends where you are, right? Because, um, of course, German people are polite, too, of course, and they show respect, too, but it's just a different attitude, I guess. And also where I live now in Bulgaria, there is also a big discrepancy because, between Bulgaria, Bulgarian people and German people. I mean, people always somehow show respect, but it's just a different level, and maybe it just and also depends on the, on the person. I mean, it's just how I feel, and so it's really subjective, I guess. Um, there might be other people out there that say that that European people are the most polite and respectful people they've ever met, but when it comes to me, I just feel different about it. I just feel that um, Canadians just so show a special, just a special way of respect and, and being polite and also when it comes to the stereotype that Canadians apologize so much for <laughs> things they <laughs> maybe haven't even done I just enjoy it so much <laughs> and um, <laughs> so now I'm not even the most important or f most favorite person in my house uh, in fact there are a couple people that live outside of my house that my kids adore more how do your parents feel about this love affair with the youngs are they offended by this are they bothered by this is it a source of consternation between you and your family tell us this has to be a problematic somewhere along the line <laughs> um well it doesn't appear to be too problematic to be honest i think they are really great that i've somewhere found my place in life and i mean they're not offended at all at least i hope so <laughs> um, um of course, I mean, I'm staying in touch with them too. But I mean, they're maybe already kind of used to it since I have moved out two years ago and um, I'm not around every day. And also when I was 15, as I said, when I f first came here, I wasn't around every day. We weren't really able to stay in touch 24-7 and that's okay. And I think maybe that's um, that's what maybe Europeans are, or especially Germans, are kind of used to it or kind of have to learn to deal with it because in Germany it's quite common that the kids move out 
kind of soon, like between the age of 17 to 20, they either attend university or go some other place or just go travel because um, I am, for example, I'm a person that kind of like feels a whole lot of, um, there's a German word that's called Wanderlust. I mean, you guys pronounce it Wanderlust, I bet. Yeah, yeah so, Wanderlust. <laughs> so I always feel I had to uh, wander. And um, well, my parents know that my family just, yeah, I mean, there is no way. If they would have said, hey, we don't want you to go places, um, I'm honest, I maybe just wouldn't have cared. I would have done it anyway. Because, I mean, they know, they know me, um, they know me who I am as a person. And if I want to go pleasant, if I want to do something, I do it. And I might listen to each other, to other opinions, but in the end, I'm the one that decides what to do. So they know that I fell in love with this family, but they also know that I also love them. And I would never turn my back and say, hey, I don't know you guys anymore. Because, of course, they are my family. They raised me. They kind of shaped me. Um, to the person who I am today, but so did the youngs. So um, they have both. Both the families have a huge impact um, on my life and who I am today. And I'm thankful for for both. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to miss my German family, nor would I want to miss my Canadian. We need to pause our conversation with Anita Popova. She was a guest at the wedding I emceed on Saturday, and I learned that she's from Europe, and she wants to eventually one day move to Canada. And I just thought, that's neat. Come talk to us on the radio about it. We're going to continue to do that after we look at your forecast, which is up next. Our guest is Anita Popova. She was at a wedding I emceed on Saturday for our old friend Mike Grosvenor and his now wife, Allie Grosvenor. That sounds weird, coming out of my mouth to say it like that. Allie Grosvenor, but there it is. And Anita is a friend of theirs. She was an exchange student at 15, and now at age 21, she's come back to... She came back for the wedding and eventually, one day, wants to move to Canada after she's finished all of her schooling and all of that. I understand you had to have a little bit of a, a whirlwind vacation plan for the next two weeks you're going to see all of canada in the next two weeks is that the plan well that was my initial plan to be honest but i mean <clears throat> to be honest canada if you look at it on a map it's it's so big because it's so big i mean there is no way to to see the whole country in, in two weeks so um i decided to just head west to like i mean at least get to know like bits and pieces of canada and so that's another reason why I have to come back eventually in order to get to know the whole country. And so, and more than once for sure. But yeah, first I'm going to head west, Alberta, BC. That's the plan for now. Can you make any recommendations, Greg? You've spent a lot of time in Western oh, Canada. Oh, you know what? Jasper, Banff, Lake Louise, uh, Kelowna, Vernon, uh, all sorts of great places to see. Vancouver Island is can't miss if you have the opportunity to go to Victoria and to go up the uh, island a little bit further north or even to the far west side of Vancouver Island to to, to, to Tofino and, uh, and Long Beach and uh, some great places to see there or up the Sunshine Coast, Gibbs. Landing, you can take a ferry up the uh, what they call the Sunshine Coast. Lots of great places to see, without question. You'll be absolutely mesmerized. Wow. Have you ever seen the Rocky Mountains? Did you did you get to go the last time you were here? No, I haven't. Oh, last you're going to be blown I... away. Wow, the Alps are amazing. With the Rocky <laughs> Mountains, there's something special about the Rocky Mountains. Oh yeah, I can't wait to see that. I mean, I've seen Niagara Falls so far, and little bit of Ontario, but no. What did you think of Niagara Falls? That's that's a, one of the world wonders, they say. It is. Um, it was for sure an experience, and I'm glad I yeah 
got the chance to see Niagara Falls. Um, and so I was on both sides, on the American one and uh, on the Canadian one. So I got to see both of them from a different angle. And yeah, it's definitely worth an experience. Um, yeah. We have about 45 seconds left here. What kind of doctor do you want to be? I want to become a dentist. <laughs> a dentist? <laughs> yeah. You know dentists aren't really beloved, right? Like, it's one of the, like, top ten occupations that, that people just don't like dentists. You must be very self-confident, Anita. <laughs> I must be. That's true. I mean, I still have a little bit of time in order to, to decide for sure. Um, but, yeah, it's just kind of a rough plan right now. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> no, I have no doubt whatever you set your mind to, you will achieve. It's been an honor and a real pleasure to get to know you a little bit today. Anita, Anita Popova has been our guest. She is from Europe. She is from Hamburg, Germany, and uh, has been going to school in Larna, Bulgaria. She's in Winnipeg. She was here for a wedding over the weekend and eventually wants to move to Canada. It is 2.27. Global News at 2.30 is up next. So we've heard about uh, concrete buckling and uh, disturbances on Brookside Boulevard and the off-ramp on to the perimeter highway just getting a text message from morris manitoba the u.s border sent some media out uh 75 highways exploding the concrete in about 25 different areas of the highway oh no down on highway 75 so if you have any pictures other information please send it to us gmac at cgob.com or brett at cgob.com if you have pictures that you can take safely or any information that we can pass along to our newsroom and we will we will dig into this a little bit further concrete uh, just Mark. doesn't like our climate nope cold hot can't handle either it seems bizarre there are hotter places on the planet uh, for a much longer time than it is hot here but uh i mean the cold i almost get but then when it can't handle the heat or the cold, that's when I start wondering. It's like, has this been engineered properly that yep. it can't handle extremes? Um, I've never heard a definitive answer on that. So well, just, I, I'm scratching my head right now. Yeah, it's a, it's a conundrum for sure. Uh, still to come, at some point this afternoon, we do have stuff to give away. Not right oh, now. Yeah. Okay, good. But we do have some tickets for Nickelback, so we're going to give those away as Love well. Love them or hate them. will be a full arena. Yeah, it, absolutely. Everybody likes to likes to take shots at Nickelback. Or do they still like to take shots or we have we come around on that? No, I think people still, still like to. Yeah, oh, yeah. Nickelback is still vilified then. Yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, did you have this in your news about the Olympic Games? I did not. The Olympic uh, Games, the Summer Olympic Games are going to be going to Los Angeles for the third time in 20 28, the Los Angeles, here's the story, the Los Angeles, the city of Los Angeles, pardon me, has reached an agreement with the international Olympic leaders that will open the way for the city to host the 2028 Summer Games. City Council President Herb Wesson's office confirmed the deal Monday. Spokespersons uh, say that the impact is expected to be reviewed by the council later this week. The agreement to be formally announced later Monday I think that means today, follows a vote earlier this month by the International Olympic Committee to seek a deal to award the 2024 and 2028 games at basically the same time. They've never done that before. Paris is the only city left 
To host the 2024 Games, the arrangement would make L.A. a three-time Olympic city after hosting the Games in 1932 and 1984. L.A. and Paris were the last two bids remaining after a tumultuous process that exposed the unwillingness of cities to bear the financial burden of hosting an event that has become synonymous with... Cost overruns. L.A. was not even the first American entrant in the contest. Boston withdrew two years ago as public support for its bid collapsed over concerns about the use of taxpayer cash. The U.S. bid switched from East Coast to West Coast as L.A. entered the race. So, the, excited about the prospect of Los Angeles being a host? That's uh, pretty boring. Third time, them having it. Uh, Chicago had explored hosting, I think it was 2020 or 2016 Olympics. I'm a big Chicago fan. I love visiting there. I love visiting L.A., but Jeff Courier will tell you that uh, Los Angeles for the Olympics is was crazy back in 1984, and it's only gotten bigger and busier. Uh, this whole idea of one city hosting the Olympics, Olympics. I think we're on the verge of seeing the end of that. Calgary is having the discussion about hosting uh, the Winter Olympics. I think it's in 2026. Uh, one of my buddies is in from Calgary uh, right now. We talked about it a little bit last night. And, uh, you know, they're talking four to five billion dollars for one city to host these games. And when Rio was hosting the games back last summer, 2016, I floated the idea. Oh, hold on here. One city, that's a big burden. What about multiple cities combining to host these games? And I thought Canada would be ideal to host the summer games. You could host them right across the country. You'd have shifting uh, times for events in terms of television would be ideal, right? You could yep. have live events on at different times of the day. You don't have to jam, pack them all in all at once. The facilities essentially exist in one city or another to have one city like Toronto uh, who has toyed with the idea of hosting the Olympic Games several times to build a new stadium and to build more arenas and do all the things that need to be done in just a concentrated area. Why not spread it out across the country? And I don't know if the IOC is there yet, but I think they're going to have to come around to this idea. And it has been revealed that Edmonton has opened their arms and said, hey, we'll help you with the Olympic Games. If you want to host in 2026, we have a brand new hockey arena, etc. But, see, Calgary needs and wants a new stadium, Mm. and they need a new arena. Guess what? The Canadian taxpayers essentially paid for the last one, the Saddle Dome, for the 1988 Olympics. And now... Canadian taxpayers are going to end up paying for their next arena, their second one in 32 years, give or take, and probably a new football stadium. Remember, we got essentially zero money for IGF. We got zero federal money for MTS Center, and it kind of rubs me the wrong way that one city is going to get all this economic benefit. Why not Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Calgary? hosting the Winter Olympics. You could have the curling here or the figure skating here or both. Edmonton could host the hockey competition. And then Calgary's got their bobsleigh run. They've got their ski jumps. They've got the indoor speed skating oval. Lots of reasons why that could work. But, of course, Calgary, prideful city. They want to hog all the glory for themselves. And I think 
in my heart of hearts, this is their backdoor opportunity to get new facilities that, as a city, they're arguing about that they don't really want to pay for. This is a way to get them done. Which events would you want to see Winnipeg host? I would I would say either the figure skating or the curling. If I had to choose, you know, I think we could do both. Uh, but if I had to pick one, I would say Winnipeg would be ideal for hosting the curling competition. No, you're right. Manitoba is the heartland of curling right. in this country. So yeah, I think it could be done. I really do. But That's an uh, interesting idea. I like that. imagination. Well, they can do it. I mean, the World Cup... Correct. Does this quite successfully. Well, look at the bid that's happening between uh, Canada, the United States, and Mexico for the World Cup. Three countries, let alone, you know, for the Winter Games, uh, Prairie Provinces, maybe even get Regina and Saskatoon involved. I don't know. But did you just I, say that out loud? I did. You I choked on it on the way out. <laughs> Like it was, it was, it was like razor blades in my throat as I uttered those words. But yes, maybe it's the these the biggest cities, five cities in Western Canada outside of British Columbia, on the prairies. I think it'd be great. The Prairie Olympics or the Canadian Olympics, and yeah, can Calgary have the closing or the opening ceremony? Sure. Edmonton's got a big, beautiful stadium for opening or closing ceremonies as well. More seats than what we've got here in Winnipeg. But we could get in on the party too. I I just think these things are way too big for one city now in terms of the financial commitment. Here's a text from Doug who says, Solution for the Olympic concern. Cancel them entirely. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of people who said that. Colossal waste of money. Oh, here, by the way, Eve, regarding the... Just to circle back very briefly to the concrete stuff. Mm-hmm. Eve says they can engineer concrete highways for heat or cold, but not both. I guess that kind of makes sense. I'm not a scientist. Uh, apparently, we've decided to engineer, engineer them for neither. <laughs> Great counter. <laughs> Other texts as well say, uh, Dave says, why is it the northern states like North Dakota and Minnesota can build much better roads than Manitoba? Ridiculous. And another text Says, I bet the roads on the American side of the border are holding up just fine. Um, I'm not saying anything because our textures are right. I agree with our textures. <laughs> <laughs> you can offer your feedback at 204-780-6868, whether it's on the concrete or the Olympics. I, I, this is not something I ever thought of for the Olympics. But Greg, I think, is on to something here. If the, if the World Cup can have multi-pronged hosting duties spread across not just a country, a province country, but an entire continent. Why can't they do the same for the Olympics? Why does it have to be in one city? 204-780-6868. As I understand it, the IOC made uh, Vancouver Whistler drop the Whistler part of their bid. And I don't know if... There's some sort of hang-up about this idea of multi-city bids if it makes the event look less prestigious. But let me tell you what, if that's the difference, if you're worried about that creating a lack of luster for what you're presenting, uh, what you're presenting isn't that luxurious to begin with, isn't necessarily worth selling. I I think it's something that could be absolutely beneficial uh, to so many places. It is a burden. There's no question. So spread the burden, spread the benefit. And in that way, uh, you know, it's not all concentrated in one city. They don't, you know, like Vancouver spent an extra $2 billion on extending the SkyTrain to their airport. Well, if you don't have all the athletes and all the visitors coming to one city, 
you don't have to do that. You know, it's kind of a it's kind of a blip on the screen, and I, and I think that's the way it should be, and have a celebration that isn't about who has the most money and who can uh, convince the most governments to pony up money that none of us have. You know, Sochi Olympics. Uh, you know, I think Putin wrote wrote a check from his personal account for Sochi, but outside of places like that, there's just not enough money to justify this anymore. They just you can't do it. 246 on 680 CJOB, the number to call, 204-780-6868. Your forecast is coming up next. We're prideful Canadians, you and I. Yes. We like to celebrate things Winnipeg, celebrate things Manitoba, and things Canadian. It would appear as though YouTube is going to help us do that a little bit. YouTube is planning to showcase its most successful Canadian creators with a channel dedicated to promoting local talent. The video streaming platform unveiled Spotlight Canada today. It's a curated page that highlights some of the nation's standout videos and it's the first time a country has been singled out with its own curated content section. This caught my eye, Greg, because we've spoken to a couple of YouTubers on this program. Mm-hmm. One of them is uh, Winnipegger, samurai guitarist, puts out weekly videos that get 30, like within hours, like 30,000 views consistently. And we also spoke with uh, Melissa Maker uh, from Clean My Space. She is... Uh, she Tens gets, of thousands yeah. of followers. Isn't she over 300,000 followers? I think it might be... Uh, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's easily the six right? figures. Yeah, she gets a lot of people watching her videos. So a lot of great Canadian content on YouTube. So we thought we would have a chat about this with Nicole Bell, who is with Communications and Public Affairs for YouTube here in Canada. And she joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Nicole, thank you very much for joining us today. My pleasure. It's lovely to chat with you. So why has YouTube decided to do this, Nicole, to take this unprecedented step? Clearly, uh, the release tells us that this is the first country that YouTube is doing this for. Why Canada first? Well, you know, I think it would not surprise anybody to think that, you know, in the same way that Canadians are amongst the biggest musical acts in the world, some of the most well-known comedians and actors, Canadians are also, you know, tops when it comes to YouTube as well. Some of the biggest creators in the world uh, come from right here in Canada, folks like Lily Singh and Gigi Gorgeous and ASAP Science, who, you know, in addition to Samurai Guitarist, who you just mentioned, you know, who are uh, who are all really, really well-known names. And so, you know, we were looking at where the places where, you know, we're seeing this huge upswell of um, incredible creativity and talent. And of course, uh, Canada's at the top of that list. Uh, It's really encouraging to see. I have to confess, uh, my kids spend way too much time on their tablets and and on their computer. But when I dig a little deeper and I see the things that they're watching, I'm blown away by the talent and the things that are inspiring them to learn more about different topics, to get involved, including their music. And one of my boys is really into stop motion uh, movie making right now, and he gets so many tips from YouTube. And I won Dad of the Year last weekend uh, with a $9 purchase. I took uh, one of my boys to Fabricland and bought a green piece of fabric to help him build a green screen. I tell you, I have gotten more mileage out of that nine bucks than uh, like $900 I spend on different things on them. So this create creativity is really spreading like wildfire and, and people are encouraging one another to, to do creative things through channels like YouTube. 
It's amazing. Well, first of all, it sounds like your son's going to be one of the people featured on this channel one day if he keeps at it. That's My amazing. My fingers are crossed, um, Nicole. You know, I think uh, we we really see this from, you know, um, the, the wide diversity of kinds of creativity we see from Canadians is just incredible. And I think one of the things that is really cool that you really got to uh, the heart of it when in what you just said there is that, you know, this is a platform for anybody that, you know, you have a camera and you have an idea and there's no barrier. You just go right in and express yourself to the world. And it's pretty amazing to see, um, you know, not only are Canadians finding audience is right here, you know, on our own doorstep. But, you know, we took a look at the numbers because we do that over here at Google. And uh, one of the things we found is that we're seeing this giant um, incoming or influx of views coming from other countries around the world for Canadian content. So, you know, places like India, where in a year we've seen a jump of 230%, uh, 230% more views coming from India for Canadian content. So the, the way that our creators are expressing themselves is, is really something that the entire world wants to come in focus on it's uh it's pretty amazing to see so if i i'm, I'm on my phone right now if, if i crack open the youtube app how do i make how do i discover spotlight canada what do i have to do to get there so you go to youtube.com slash youtube canada or when you're inside the uh the mobile app you can just search youtube canada and it will come up with uh, with that Spotlight channel. And you'll get a real, you know, the first month that we're doing this, the focus is just Best of Canada. Uh, as the months go on, we'll have kind of uh, themed playlists for every month that kind of cover a different topic or area like fashion or comedy. Um, but for this month, it's all Best of Canada. So what you're going to see there on the channel uh, to kick us off for August are, you know, uh, reliving some of the amazing uh, moments from the Canada 150 celebrations last month, um, looking at kind of major milestones in Canadian history, um, some of the biggest YouTube stars coming from Canada uh, and, and their top videos. You'll also see a playlist of um, emerging Indigenous artists on YouTube, as well as some of our biggest musical stars, too. Uh, what kind, so what are the, some of the stuff? Uh, can you give us some examples of some videos? That I understand the, the, the debut of the page has sort of taken some past viral hits. That's right. Yeah, it's a real for this for this first kind of uh, this first outing. We're really looking at, you know, what are some of those big moments that we've seen on YouTube before? Uh, you know, a great one that I like to point to is um, uh, we've included some clips there from the uh, streaming of the Tragically Hips last concert in Kingston, uh, which is, you know, still to date the biggest live stream ever that we've seen on YouTube for Canadian content. So there's a few of those kinds of moments that uh, might refresh your memory of, of things you've loved on YouTube in the past. But certainly, looking forward, um, a lot of what we're trying to do with this uh, with this spotlight channel is is showcase the emerging stars, the people that are just really starting to take off. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for joining us today. Nicole Bell is with YouTube in Canada Communications and Public Affairs, talking about this brand new Spotlight Canada, which has been unveiled today. It's a curated page that highlights some of the nation's standout videos. And I just double-checked here, Greg. Samurai Guitarist has 138,726 subscribers. Way to go, Steve. That's awesome. Steve from Winnipeg. And Clean My Space, uh, Melissa Maker, who is in Ontario, 732,000. 
thousand subscribers. Whoa, whoa, whoa! It's been a while since we had Melissa on the program. Uh, I don't remember her being up over half a million. I think it was I, like four hundred. I, I think these things snowball, like yeah. once you get popular, right? Yeah, they, they, the reach Fantastic. sort of grows exponentially. That's great. Like I, I think her husband actually, because I remember her referring to her husband as her camera person, saying when he left his job to come work with me, like this is their job. Yep. They just get to make videos and. Well, we have a pretty cool job, too, though. We get to talk to all these people on the radio. Fair enough. Coming up to 3 o'clock on 680 CJOB. Once again, uh, not to uh, create any panic whatsoever, but you may want to be mindful if you're up in that area of Highway 51 near St. Peter's Road, heading towards Lactabani. Uh, at the very least, a funnel cloud, if not a tornado has been spotted in that part of our province. East of Highway 59 near St. Peter's Road, heading east towards Lac de Bonnie. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you. Uh, it could be a very tumultuous uh, evening in terms of weather with all the heat that we have. And uh, clearly there is some cool weather somewhere nearby because we're expected to head down to about 21 degrees as a daytime high on Wednesday. So that means uh, changes in the air, and that could mean uh, for some... Th- thunderstorms for us later on this afternoon. Hey, Brett, I hope you don't mind if I do this. I want to use the power of social media and traditional media here in combination to try and solve a little bit of a mystery. Uh, One of my friends, uh, I'm part of a Facebook group that uh, tries to tie together all the students from uh, Isaac Brock School. Uh, Isaac Brock celebrated its 100th anniversary about five, six years ago already. So there have been students uh, there for generations. And so the stories over the years are vast, they're interesting, and obviously a lot of teachers and students have come and gone over the years, but there are certain teachers that have a dramatic impact on your life. I could list a handful here, but there was one teacher, and I was actually thinking of this man not that long ago, and my friend Yolana posted this uh, late last night, and I'm just going to read it as she posted it. I have a feeling, I have a feeling, the power of 680 CGOB here. We're going to be able to figure out the name of this teacher, and it's bothering me that I can't remember it. I'm just going to read it. There was a substitute teacher who taught at Isaac Brock in about 1981. He was tasked with teaching science, but when we spotted his numbered tattoo on his forearm, the lessons changed. He told us tales of surviving the concentration camps, harrowing, thought-provoking, and life-changing tales. We as students gained so much in those few days we spent with him. He was a teacher pre-World War II, but to survive, he claimed he was a tailor. Thank you to him who taught us from a personal perspective what racism can create. If anyone remembers his name, I'd sure like to drop him a note if there's any chance he's still alive. It occurred to all of us that this story, his stories, were not on the curriculum, that he may indeed get in trouble for telling us of the Holocaust, of which the validity of those claims were still in question at that time. Without instruction or suggestion, we kept it mum. Do you remember? Because many of us will never forget, and uh, at least uh, more than a handful of my former classmates and schoolmates have made comment, but uh, nobody can come up with his name. So maybe if you're out there listening and you know who this teacher was, 
back in the early 1980s who shared his stories of surviving the Holocaust, and probably in, almost likely exclusively in Winnipeg School Division Number 1 as a substitute teacher, uh, please shoot me an email, gmac at cjob.com or a text message at 780-6868. Thanks, Brett. Appreciate you doing that and let me do this. Hey, no problem. It's a great uh, when when you once you said substitute. I thought yeah. then yeah, we definitely need to put this out because I don't remember the names of substitute teachers, but that doesn't mean no one remembers the name of substitute teachers. But it, it might be a little harder to to track it down. So yeah, yeah we're gonna sure. need help solving that. That riddle. Well, I appreciate uh, the time, and uh, I just, I just have a feeling somebody out there is listening, and uh, we'll share this story, and uh, we will find that name. So, so thanks for uh, letting me indulge in that. Uh, uh, boy, what a powerful experience! Uh, great memory, uh, in one of those ways, uh, indelible, and and just etched in my memory forever. We just got a text at 204-780-6868 that says, By Gull Gull Lake and South Beach Casino, it is raining hard, lightning, and hail. And once again, as Greg mentioned off the top, we had it in our newscast as well. A caller tells us that a tornado was spotted east of Highway 59 near St. Peter's Road, heading east towards Lac du Bonnie. So watch out for that. Bad weather. Uh, just north northeast of Winnipeg right now, and we are under a severe thunderstorm watch for pretty much all of southeastern Manitoba. Full forecast details coming up starting in two minutes. Greg McGarry, Greg Mackling, we have stuff to give away. Oh, of course, I uh, I don't think I put the right package in here. That's okay. I can run out and get them this stuff after but i do have i have the clip we have nickelback tickets to give away okay they're coming to winnipeg september 21st bell mts place september 21st is uh thursday so the question is simply what song is this from 204-780-6868 a good nickelback fan should know that which song what song is this from 204-780-6868 is the number to call so that Jeff can field your questions. In the meantime, Greg, you took a phone call off the air. I did. Did it yield anything, any results? Well, I will have to do some more digging, but this caller attended Grant Park High School and took art from a Mr. Wojek back in the 1960s. She was in grade seven at that point in time, so I'm trying to put it all together in my head, okay, because a lot of times teachers, after they retire, will continue to do some substitute teaching as a way of staying active and part of the community. So if that name is ringing a bell with anyone, Mr. Wojek, we are trying to track down a Holocaust survivor. He was a teacher in Winnipeg School Division Number 1. I remember him, as do many of my classmates from Isaac Brock back in that era, as being a substitute teacher, and he shared with us his harrowing uh, stories of survival uh, through the Holocaust. He was a teacher prior to World War II, and uh, I can remember him showing us his his numbered tattoo on his forearm and telling us what that meant and sharing very many stories uh, so eloquently, but 
we only had him a handful of times, and so his name has escaped a bunch of us. So if you happen to know, I'd love to hear from you, gmac at cjob.com. We think it might be Mr. Wojak. Does that make sense to anyone? I appreciate it more than you know. This is uh, the community that is 680 CJOB. So if you know anything, feel free to shoot us a note. GMAC at CJOB.com, Brett at CJOB.com, or you can uh, try 204-780-6868, although the lines are just uh, a little crammed right now with everybody trying to get through to win those Nickelback tickets. That's ironic that people are trying to win tickets to a concert nobody wants to see. <laughs> and uh, Nickel, this is, I mean, this is, I think, the discussion that has to happen every time Nickelback comes up in conversation, right? You have this great Canadian success story. I remember a friend of mine, this guy, Sean, that I went to high school with, he used to go see Nickelback all the time before they were anybody. And we're just pulling up their album, uh, their discography here. But he used to go see them when they would play at uh, the Pyramid and places like the, I think, the Junkyard. Was that a place on Portage Avenue? We're going back, like where A and B Sound was. Okay. Oh yeah, that was the old Portage Village Inn, right? Before it was A and B Sound. Yeah, I think it was called the Junkyard. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Uh, never saw Nickelback in the bar. I'm not sure if they. Maybe not the Junkyard, but definitely places like the Pyramid. We'll just say, like many of the great venues that we have in Winnipeg for live bands, sort of more intimate bands. Pyramid's one of my favorite places. He would go see them all, like we're talking mid-90s, before they they broke it huge. And uh, this is a band that put out a couple of albums, and people always say that after, this is how you remind me of something I really am, however it goes. I I probably know it, I could probably do it if I sang it, but I I don't want to expose you to that. It's punishment. Just because you can't doesn't mean you shouldn't. I'm not going to. Uh, but they, that's that song, of course, was the biggest thing on earth. And then after that, they kind of figured out the magic formula: how to make radio-friendly rock music that gets them ton of air, tons of airplay, lots of sales, catchy tunes, good riffs, uh, very easy to understand lyrics. You can sing along. Hey, uh, formulatic, call it whatever you want. It works, and it sells a ton of albums and tons of concert tickets, yep. whether you like them or not. They're coming to Winnipeg in September, and I think, do we have a winner already? We yeah. do have a winner. All right. Fran Clearwater has won the tickets. She was able to identify the song that this is from. So, Jeff, I have the song here, so I'm going to, I had put together an, an assortment of clips that I, but I'm going to get your help here from the other side of the control room here. So I'm going to fire the song and then eventually I'll tell you when to turn it down. You recognize this? That's not even the song I thought it was. Really? No. It's called Breathe. It's from the band's uh, 1998 album, The State. It was their second wow. studio album. That's the uh, it had "Leader of Men" was the lead single off of that. Uh, they also had songs like "Old Enough," "Worthy to Say," and of course "Breathe," which is this is probably my favorite Nickelback song. So you go back a long way to find your favorite. Yeah, that's saying a lot. I suppose this is well, I because I. I 
Yeah, I guess it doesn't really say anything about their current music, does it? <laughs> uh, I just dropped that grenade and ran out the room there. I have didn't no I? problem with Nick. I like Nickelback. No, I'd like yeah. to see them in concert. I, I hear they put on one heck of a show. Well, Fran's going to see that show on September 21st. Fran, congratulations. We have tickets to give away all week. Your forecast in sports starting in two minutes. Our listeners rock. Plain and simple. Thank you for your reports of the uh, treacherous weather and dangerous weather taking place. It sounds like Highway 59 North is a place that's experiencing some some heavy rain, lightning, thunder, maybe even some hail, and a funnel cloud, uh, maybe a tornado spotted off of Highway 59. We were talking about roads earlier. It sounds as though part of Highway 75 has been... Uh, buckling under the heat of the last few days. And we were asking the question, Brett, about the idea of whether you can engineer engineer these things for heat or cold or heat and cold and would appear that maybe it's neither. But uh, I had a text message uh, during the the news here from Rick that says, guys, in regards to our roads, it's simple geography. Manitoba is low-lying and not at a high elevation above sea level. It's only about six hundred feet higher than sea level. All rivers and waterways from the east, west, south, all end up here on their way to Hudson's Bay. Because of this, our soil conditions are wetter and have more movement with changing weather uh, than places beyond the Red River Valley don't suffer our fate. So thanks for that. That's great. Appreciate that. Uh, If you want to chime in on this or any other topics. Uh, we love hearing from you. 780-6868 and uh, gmac at cjob.com or brett at cjob.com. And then just a few moments ago at exactly 3.30, I got a text message. Good afternoon. Just wondering if you guys heard if that Ghost Signs Winnipeg event that was held Saturday night was recorded on video. I live out of town, would like to have seen it, but couldn't make it. Thanks. And, of course, my answer was, we'll be talking about that in about five minutes' time. Matt Cohen joins us now to give us a a retrospective of Painted in Light. Spectacular event. I have seen video of it uh, through a variety of people I follow on Twitter. Matt, let's start there. Is a place people can go to see these signs lit up uh, through the magic that you perpetrated on Saturday night? Uh, you can actually just search the hashtag painted in light or light capsules. Uh, both of them will have uh, sort of feeds uh, for anybody interested in checking out the uh, the projections from Saturday night. Uh, but we are also pretty lucky. Handcraft Creative uh, is putting together a 30-minute documentary on uh, Winnipeg's ghost signs. And uh, this is part of the story. So they followed the entire journey. Uh, it's going to be released this fall on uh, Bell MTS uh, Stories from Home. And uh, you can be able to watch it at home uh, about how the whole thing came together uh, in uh, about a month or two. Fantastic. Matt, please keep us in the loop on that, okay? 
For sure. We'll want to bring you on the air and let people know that they can see it. So the hashtag painted in light, a really good way to go. If uh, Even if you're not on Twitter, you can search online for folks that are on Twitter. And so our good friend Brent Bellamy, I know, posted at least one video, if not two. So to our uh, listener who was wondering if you search Twitter, Brent Bellamy, B-E-L-L-A-M-Y, you uh, should be able to scroll through his timeline without creating a Twitter account if you don't have one, and you should be able to see his videos there. And uh, I, I got to tell you, I was just looking at my Instagram feed on Saturday night and was, I, you know, we talked to you on Friday about this, <clears throat> pardon me, and uh, it sounded like a great event, but I still, I didn't know what to expect, and when I saw that it wasn't just these projections of lights sort of highlighting the signs, the animations were just stunning. That was a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, I, it was, it's a very um, difficult thing to explain how the whole thing would come together. A lot of people thought, is it just a light that's shining on the side or are you just recreating the sides and, or the signs themselves? And there's a, this whole animation component of it where there's a hand, hand can that's uh, in 3d perspective that's rotating. And then there's a bottle of glass shine window cleaner that's spinning around in circles. So, uh, you know, I think that's uh, the interactive element really does uh, help to showcase the signs and, uh, put a unique spin on them versus just projecting the signs as they were maybe 50 or 100 years ago. Now, Matt, you mentioned that it was fairly unprecedented to light up five signs in, in one community in one night. Talk about how you pil- pulled that off for those that missed our discussion last week. Sure. Uh, yeah, you know, it uh, it was a bit of a challenge. Uh, we had some technical difficulties at the start of the night uh, with the setup and the projectors. Uh, it was a, just a little bit too light. So uh, things were delayed by about an hour before we were able to start illuminating. But, uh, you know, I think uh, people, as, as different signs kind of came up every 10 or 15 minutes in between, there were big cheers of people uh, from people that were watching the signs and doing a bit of a countdown. Uh, so, uh, you know, they ended up all running at about 10.30. Uh, and uh, went until midnight. We started to shut them down at that point. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was really exciting. Uh, it, it added to the element. People kind of just waited around until, uh, until they were all illuminated and then could wander around the exchange freely. Uh, and just being a bit of a fly on the wall and listening into conversations was, uh, was great for me. How about Craig Winslow, the designer and really the artist uh, behind this? What was his uh, takeaway from this, and how impressed was he with uh, not only the turnout, on uh, Saturday night, but the the buildings themselves, I'm guessing this is really the first time he's seen them in person. Is that right? Well, we had been coordinating this for the last three months, and uh, we only met in person on Thursday when I picked him up at the airport. And he was actually only in Winnipeg for about 70 hours total. Uh, so I was handling the logistics, coordinating his new building owners and the projection rental companies and sponsors for the event while he was sort of uh, uh, illustrating the uh, the signs themselves. Um, so when I picked him up, we we checked out the, the signs first thing, and uh, it was amazing for him to see them, uh, you know, in uh, in the flesh, as it were. Uh, but uh, he uh, he really fell in love with the city, and uh, the uh, the uh, scale of this is, is beyond anything he's done before. Uh, and uh, he had an amazing time, and he'll be putting more content out, I think, as we go through all the footage and the pictures uh, over the next week or two. So uh, if people want to follow, uh, you know, the work that he did and, and a perspective uh, from up on the rooftops, uh, you can follow him. Uh, his handle is at uh, Craig Winslow uh, on Instagram, Twitter, uh, and you can see what uh, what uh, his experience in the city was like. What would it take to make 
something like this uh, a permanent fixture in Winnipeg, or maybe not permanent, but maybe a seasonal thing for like the summertime, where we have a couple of these projector projectors sort of maybe uh, scattered throughout the exchange district, highlighting these signs. Uh, it would actually take a fair amount. We had a volunteer team of about 20 people the night of. Uh, you need a crew of two people per site, and you also need access from the building owners to be up on the roofs and have liability insurance to cover all this. So I think what made this event special it was that it was a bit of a once-in-a-lifetime for, for the scale in the area. Uh, but, uh, you know, when I was dropping Craig off at the airport, we're already talking about what the next installation would be. Uh, so uh, I think over the next couple months, we'll uh, kind of slowly reveal some details about uh, him coming back, but it looks like it's almost a sure thing that uh, at some point in 2018, he'll be back in in some way or another. Matt, congratulations on this, and uh, let people know how they can uh, tour these ghost signs uh, thanks to another effort of yours. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate, uh, you know, the interest. It's great to see so many people out. And uh, uh, for anybody that uh, is interested in Winnipeg's Ghost Signs, uh, you can visit uh, ghostsigns.ca, which is a, a sort of an ongoing catalog of the signs in the exchange. Uh, you can also follow uh, Fading Ads on uh, Instagram or Facebook or uh, uh, Twitter for uh, sort of more updates as, as the years go on with uh, all of our Fading Ads in the city. One more time, uh, you mentioned there was, there was something coming up for Bell MTS uh, later on this year. What is that? Uh, Handcraft Creative. Uh, they're producing a 30-minute documentary on uh, Winnipeg's ghost signs and sign painting in general. Uh, it features uh, the, this event, uh, my sort of historical research, and also the Traveling Sign Painters uh, group from Winnipeg that are bringing the craft back. Uh, so it comes out on Bell MTS Stories from Home this fall. Great. Uh, for those who maybe are not on Bell MTSs, will that be out somewhere in the world after its initial uh, run? It will be, yeah. In 2018, probably uh, in uh, in the spring, uh, there'll be more of a general release. And uh, people can stay tuned to paintedandlight.ca. Uh, we'll be building out a better website with uh, uh, more uh, footage from the night, uh, photos, and of course, that hopefully that documentary, is, uh, as it comes out, there'll be uh, some information on that as well. All right, Matt Cohen, thank you so much for joining us and congratulations on such a successful event. Painted in light of just the, yeah, the video that I was seeing on Instagram was amazing. It was truly spectacular and I wish that I, well, I had a wedding to go to on Saturday, so I couldn't be there, but I wish that I could be in two places at once. Matt Cohen is a creative director, urban archaeologist, and the driving force behind ghostsigns.ca and paintedinlight.ca. Your forecast and traffic situation coming up next. Hey, Brett. Yes? uh, Today is the 30th anniversary of the Edmonton Tornado. 27 individuals lost their lives that day, Uh, the most deadly tornado in Canadian history. Uh, Cell phones were the size of bricks back then, were used for only making calls, uh, essentially emergency calls today. Computers fit in our pockets, capable of pretty much anything. The one thing they don't do yet is let us know if there's danger afoot, but that's about to change. Right now in Canada, you still need an app of some sort to get emergency notifications on your device as it pertains to dangerous weather. In April, Canada's mobile providers were directed by the CRTC to upgrade their LTE networks so that emergency messages could be sent out, whether you have an app installed or not. This will happen by 2019. So that's good news. and uh, It works well. It happened to me in Phoenix, and we didn't have a plan, so I didn't expect my phone to do anything. And then it was one? like, whoop, 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 dust 
storm warning. Really? Yeah, it was really cool. What, what do they call that? A halado? What, what, what is that called? I don't know. They uh, just said dust. They yeah, called it a dust there's storm. There's a kind of a unique or a, a fairly exotic name for that. Halado or Colado? I can't remember what it's called. You have to ask the Google machine. Yeah, the Google machine. If only there was a way. <laughs> hey, we've been uh, sharing a report from one caller mm-hmm. uh, that we got today about pavement on Highway 75 not handling the heat very well. True. I know you've been verifying this with a variety Mm -hmm. of sources, at least trying. Have you had any success? Yeah, we've had some luck. Um, And I had seen some of those messages come through before I went on vacation about Highway 75 in the past, buckling or exploding, as as people were calling it. And we know that there's uh, also a problem on another highway heading up towards the perimeter and that causing some problems. So we spoke with a professor of pavement engineering at the University of Manitoba who says, yes, the heat is uh, the ultimate biggest factor in why this is happening. And he explains uh, a little bit more about why that is occurring. Julie Buckingham. Welcome back, by the way. Thanks so much. Great Glad to, to see be you. back. Yeah. Julie Buckingham and Hal Anderson. Yes, he's going to be in. So we will uh, also talk about forest fire situation, uh, the numbers at the airport being up, bacon bacon. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk bacon. Mm-hmm. And also Manitoba's first bronze medalist and first medalist at the Canada Summer Games nice. will join us at 4:37. Fantastic. Hey, when Jeff Courier left here earlier, Brett, he went to Silo Mission, dropped off 964 bottles of water and uh, we're challenging you to uh, consider uh, making a donation of bottled water to Silo Mission yourself. Nice job, Jeff. That's all the yeah. time we have. Julie Buckingham, Hal Anderson from 4 until 7. Jeff Forte and Master Control, thank you. Thank you, Greg Mackling. My name is Brett McGarry. Thank you for listening to 680 CJOB.